Hello there, welcome to the Suffolk Money podcast supported by Kingsfleet. Uh, as you know, this uh, podcast is here to look at the things in Suffolk that you can do with your money. And after all, you can only do three things. You can spend it, you can save it, or you can give it away. So we speak with entrepreneurs, we speak with money experts, we speak with charities and community groups. And this is something we've been doing for a couple of years now and we've been delighted to have interviewed so many interesting people over the course of that period. However, one of the things that we are really pleased to be able to tell you about is our new presenter, Leslie Dolphin. Uh, many of you will have come across Leslie in her time at Radio Suffolk. Who, uh, Leslie for many years presented the afternoon show on Radio Suffolk and was very well uh, known and a very familiar voice on the network. Well, we're delighted that Leslie has offered to come and uh, carry out some interviews for us and to meet some of these exciting and interesting people who we come across throughout Suffolk. But we thought it might be nice just to find out something more about Leslie. So today's podcast is slightly unusual in that it is uh, Leslie and I having a conversation uh, about uh, matters relating to Leslie's past and her background and how she came to be in Suffolk and doing what she's doing now. Uh, it was an absolute joy to be able to speak with Leslie. Uh, she is a delightful individual and uh, I think that comes across really well during our conversation together. So today's episode, Leslie Dolphin, uh, Radio Personality. Leslie, thank you so much for joining me. First of all, it's great to see you face to face after a few <laughs> years of everything on Zoom and so on. So nice to catch up. Actually, it's very nice to get out and about and see your offices as well. So actually, <laughs> that's important, don't you think? Yeah. Like it's like when you've got family and they go and work somewhere else to actually go and see where they live and work. Really yeah. Really see know where they are. So you've had a very brave decision to come to Claydon this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Left Felix though. Yeah. Came out to the A14. Uh, so anyway, it is absolutely brilliant to see you. Um, we thought it's worth our while just understanding a little bit more about you, who you are, your life story, because obviously you and I will be speaking to our guests, um, finding out about their life stories. So I think as uh, people will have heard you for many years on Radio Suffolk, and we'll come to that in due course, they might have been thinking, mm, what, well, who is this Leslie? Who is she? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, what's her background? So well, what, what are your earliest memories? Okay, Leslie, so where does that start? my earliest memories. Yeah. I hate being interviewed, by the way. I love doing the interviews. Oh, really? So, so will you be so asking you're very me honest. questions? So you're very honest. <laughs> so uh, the thing that I always start off with is that I actually... I don't come from Suffolk originally, I come from Norfolk, which of course people might go <laughs> in the background. I can hear it. Yeah. But in fact, my mum and dad originally came from Birmingham. Really? And uh, I was about 18 months when I moved to Norfolk. My right. dad was a teacher, and so he took up a post in Norfolk as a teacher. And so I moved to a tiny village called Bunwell okay. and went to Bunwell Primary School. Uh, and a lot of it's very rural, so I've grown up in rural, south of Norwich, on the okay. Beach Travel 13, so okay. near Tackleston, right. that yep. sort of thing. It's a big mast there, isn't it? Tackleston, Tackleston. the transmitter. The big transmitter. We right. moved up the road when I was about 10 or 11, right. to live quite near the transmitter. So I grew up in rural Norfolk, which isn't that dissimilar really from no. rural Suffolk, and so on. And so I've got memories of 
uh, been able to drive around country lanes and come across cows being taken for milking uh, and so on. We were allowed out on our bikes to go off for days. Mum would be relieved when we'd disappear in the summer holidays. She'd pack our sandwiches. You know, so I grew up in a really free time, a, a lovely time for young people. So where, where would your nearest town have been? Where would you have gone out for if you needed to go shopping? Or so something? when we went shopping, we'd go, I think, when we lived in Vanwell to Attleborough. Okay. Um, Wyndham became yep. a place we'd go to. I went to school in Wyndham, uh, secondary school in the end. And Norwich, of course, was about 12 miles away, so you could catch the bus. I'd walk about half a mile from our house to the Jolly Farmers pub, and right. you would catch the bus into Norwich from there right. and back again. Yeah. But of course, no street lights. So I've got memories of, of when I was a bit older, coming back on the bus in the middle of the night and having to have your torch so yes. you could see the way you were going. And things. Goodness. So it was proper rural, you could see the stars at night. And yeah, really, and really. And we were in a little modern close that had been built in the middle of the village. So modern housing, but still, I still sort of feel, when you read Aikenfield by Robert yes. Blythe, and you've got that sense of the old and up sort of farming days, I still feel that I was lucky enough to almost touch some of that. You'd get the old boys, they'd be on their bikes, and they'd go off and be mending the roads. So they'd go off on their bikes with a bag with their flask hanging off the, the handlebars and so on. And you'd see the workers in the fields uh, uh, as well. So I, I, I think I've sort of touched that era before That's coming lovely. up today. Yeah, yeah. And ha so how long were you in that part of the world for? So my mum and dad stayed there. Until, um, we were in Bunwell and then uh, Tackleston, Fawcett, until I grew up, really, until I went off to university. So I went right. to Wyndham Secondary because I failed my 11 plus three times, much to really? my dad, who's a teacher, as I said. Yeah. Much to his great disappointment. Oh, but I did manage to get to go and do A levels as right. well at Oakland College. Yeah. So my breakaway was to go off to university. Right. Which and was which was where? So I I'm I'm not that clever, but we managed to find a course called Science and Society. It was an amazing chapel for an American professor who believed that in this industrial, this world of post-industry, we're coming to computers, mm. you would need a a group of people who could communicate the needs of the, of the computer world to those ordinary people. So the course was all about doing a little bit about lots of things as oh, opposed great. to the other way around. And it was at Bradford. Oh, so as, a, as a, 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 a little Norfolk girl, I went off to Bradford. That I must have been North. such a culture shock. It was, re it was brilliant for me. It was yeah. absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And it was there that uh, we had someone come over from Radio Leeds to get, tell us all about local radio, because we had none in, in Norfolk at that time. Right. And I said, oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Can I come back to Leeds and, and watch Radio Leeds happen? And I did. And uh, in the end, it was a sandwich course I was on, which meant I had to do a work placement. Mm -hmm. And I got my work placement with Radio Leeds. Oh, and that's really? where it all happened. That's where it all happened. Yeah. It was really good for me. And it was a really nice way to see a different part of the world, a sort of a vaguely secure way, really, when you got mm. to university. Uh, let's say Path and Bath very quickly. <laughs> they all call me a posh southerner. Because so at university, you had people from all over the place, obviously, as well. So yeah. from not just around Bradford. But yeah, and then doing local radio up there, I got to know the area. I, I loved it. It was really brilliant. So how long were you in that area for? So four years. Four years altogether. Years. It, was, it was 75 to 79, 1975 right. to 79. Right. Yeah. That must have been um, an interesting time. If, if you say the guy who thought of the course was thinking about computing coming in, even in the 70s, that's... 
We so yeah, one of the, one of the things we did was learn how to try to learn how to program a computer. I'm not particularly mathematically clever, but it was in the days where you would have to make punch cards. Mm -hmm. So I mean, we just about had calculators, didn't we, at this yeah. stage? So yeah, I can remember right. slide rules, pre-calculators. Yeah. But uh, but we would we learned basically how to how to run a program on a computer, and the computer was a big room, so it wasn't like yeah. you know your phone these days yeah, a computer, yeah. and you had to do these a huge pile of punch cards to run through. It was, yeah. it, it's just isn't it amazing how technology has changed since then? Yeah. It's astonishing. I mean, I, I was studying computer studies in the early eighties and. There was references then made to punch cards, and even then we had no See, idea. I, I what am they old were. enough to have touched them, Colin. <laughs> I, 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 I did run programs. I think we did uh, probably weather programs or something. I can't remember. Right. I'm not sure. I really kept, got oh, to grips with it. But it was fascinating. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can imagine. Um, so just aside from the course and the studying, and the, obviously you became engaged with radio, which we'll come back onto in a second. I'm, I'm also just intrigued about what Bradford was like compared with Norfolk. I mean, I'm just mindful of culturally, it was very, very different. Yeah, Is that I, something you notice in the Oh, 70s? yeah, you can yeah, not yeah. notice it. Because, yeah, yeah. But I, I think as a young person, you're ready to head out yeah. into the world, aren't you? And, yeah. and it was the best thing that could have happened to me. Yes. And you are slightly protected because it was a, you're at the university. So, right. so, but, so the first year I was in halls of residence mm. and, and sort of you get your feet. But Bradford... Was, it wasn't a huge city, but yeah. it was quite, and we were sort of on the on the outskirts of the city, and you'd walk into the cinema and things. So, so you had your own university life, but it you did get to go and see the mm. life, the social mm. sort of status around you. And we rented then for three years. We rented properties, so you'd yes. get a gang of you together, mm. and they would be in the back to backs really. And, right. I, and it's fascinating. You say totally multicultural, yes. huge uh, Indian and Asian populations mm. and so on, which was lovely. I mean, curry was the thing we all ate after we'd yeah. come out of the out of the had disco had, at night. Had you had a curry in Norfolk? I'd, I must have had curry. <laughs> Mum and Dad weren't too bad. We did have yeah. sort of, but, but in those days you didn't have the like the, no. the curry houses no. and the. And the takeaways that you have nowadays. Yeah. Too. So yeah. So I learned to have. So I learned to have a keema curry, which is minced curry. I think it only cost us thirty p. Yeah, a keema curry, and you got three chapatis, and you didn't have rice or anything. Right. So, but you could. I learned to eat my whole keema curry with just three chapatis and Amazing. not get too dirty. About That's it very either. good. That's the things you learn at university. And right? they had a lovely. And, and in the town itself, and I think we should we could learn a lesson. They had a lovely. They had indoor markets. Lots of indoor markets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Uh, so in the town hall would be just full of these lovely stalls, including tripe, which I never tried, and I still don't <laughs> intend to try. But it, it was a different sort of area. Yeah. I think we could learn from that still. That I still great. think Ipswich ought to have an indoor market. Yeah, somewhere. yeah. Well, Ooh, certainly yeah. where there's empty space, yeah. why not use it? Yeah. it? It does seem that that makes sense. Yeah, oh, that must have been great experience. So, so when in your course did you hear about radio? So it was quite was early it? on, I think. It must have been in the first year, in the mm. first, probably even in the first term. Um, I I've, they got her as a, a guest on my programme to say farewell to me when I finished. Oh, is so that so Anne Hunter did the, the mid-morning show on, uh, it was called West Riding, I think, on, on BBC Radio Leeds. But they had a, an opt-out in Bradford, so they would do, I think it was every Tuesday, they would do the programme from Bradford, or Bradford, can't get it right. And and so she came just to talk about media and how important media was as yep. liaising and, and and so on, 
and it, I mean, we must have been in that first year because mm. I said to her, can I come and look around? Another chap called Mark also did the same. And I'm not sure what happened to him, but it, yeah. I, I just remember going over. I started to do phone, answer the phones for them, right. make coffee. So, you yeah. know, you'll get your foot in the door. Yeah. I, yeah, and yeah. I didn't do it on purpose. I just thought, this is fantastic. Yeah. And she taught me to use a tape recorder, so I went and did some interviews. Fantastic. Uh, and so by the time my third year, which was my third year at work, I was already driving, doing the tech op for programs. Yeah. And they trained yeah. me. They trained, they paid for my driving lessons so I could take the radio car out. And Amazing. It was just, it was just phenomenal. So that was effectively, it's not gap year, a working year. Yeah, so everybody had to have a work placement. Yeah. It was yeah. a sandwich course. So right. part of your year was out at work somewhere. Yeah. And I was just yeah. lucky that the BBC... It just fell into place. Amazing, I didn't plan any of it. I'm so lucky. So when once you'd graduated, was that then a natural step to then just carry on? Well, I, ca I knew I wanted to carry on. And I, um, I knew Radio Norfolk was due to open. The BBC had opened um, city stations, uh, and then they decided to open some more in 1980 in Norfolk. These were county stations, mm. and Norfolk mm. was one of those. And while I was at, at still at Leeds and at Bradford, They'd announced that they're going to do a station. They'd got the manager in place. So I wrote all my letters saying I should be back home, you mm. know, what's happening. And they advertised, I think, uh, 75, 79. I got back from 79 and they advertised. And while I was waiting, I wrote to Look East. Mm -hmm. Now, Look East had a, a radio, VHF radio opt-out that did Radio 4, but for, for East Anglia. Oh, right. And I managed to get a job with them while I waited. Ah. For my post, so John Mountford worked there, uh, and they did so they would do their radio program in the mornings. And then I ended up working on Look East as a floor manager as well, or before Radio Norfolk what, what, what See, I've, that, I've been yeah, so lucky. What did that involve? What oh, was, uh, a floor manager. A floor manager. So you would be there um, doing the signs. So the presenter would be uh, sitting there ready to present. It wasn't Stuart Wise in those days. I'm trying to think of the name of the chap. Uh, um, the Masters. The Ian Masters. Ian Masters. Yes, right. I still remember him. So, so yeah. as a floor manager, you would be, uh, you would be, as they count down to the next, you know, to them talking, you would be doing the, the hands. I'm doing it now, but you can't say it. So I'd be doing the hands. You're three, two, one. It, in you. I can remember the Bishop of Norwich came in once, and I, I would have a powder puff. So if his head was a bit shiny, while the while the VT was running, I'd be doing that. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> You powder puff the bishop. Of yeah, Norwich. yeah, it was brilliant. <laughs> I was just, it just, just happened. I'm so That's lucky. How long were you, were you doing that with? So I, was, I must have been only doing that six nine months. So I you think. were based at the Norwich. So All Saints Green, uh, yeah. yeah, and Radio Norfolk opened up just across the road at Norfolk Towers. Right. So, and so, so were you in that from day one? Uh, yeah. Radio Norfolk. Yeah. So when Radio Norfolk uh, put the jobs up, they. They had 2,000 applications for 20 jobs. Really? So I was really lucky. And I got in as a what was called a station assistant, which right. is like a junior reporter. So I did technical. In mm. those days, it wasn't so easy to twiddle the knobs for your own programme. Mm. And if it was complicated, you needed someone like me to be the other side of the glass to yeah. do the yeah. opening of microphones. So I did that, went out in the radio car uh, and that sort of thing. Later on, I did get a job as a news reporter. And then... About two years in, three years in, uh, when they opened, the BBC has always been a bit careful with its money. So they opened Radio Norfolk and you had a breakfast show, a mid-morning show, and then you shared. I think the afternoon show went into Radio 2. Okay. And then they came back out for a drive time program. Right, yeah. But once they'd been on air and got good figures, they decided they were going to allow us to have an afternoon show, and I was asked to take it on. 
So when Much to my amazement. I do know, I can't exactly remember. <laughs> it must have been in 82, okay. I think 1982. Right, probably. interesting time. Yeah. So Keith Salmon asked that. And so and afternoons have proved over the years to be my favourite That's place. your perfect time of day, obviously. Yeah, I don't know that. <laughs> so how long were you at Radio Norfolk? So I was there till 1984 okay. um, when I had my first son. So I got married um, and I had Tom in September 1984. Mm-hmm. The station opened in September 1980, so I was there about four years. Okay. But my husband then was working in Suffolk, and okay. so when Tom was born, we moved. I, I stopped working. Right. And we moved to Suffolk, which is how I came to be living. That's in how Suffolk. you came to Suffolk, right? And never looked back. Never. Well, I love. It. I always say no. I, I haven't really. I mean, I. You could argue, couldn't you, and say they're oh, really different counties, no. and they are. They're yeah. both lovely, yeah. but they also have their similarities. Yeah, and I know loads of people from Suffolk on holiday to me. And it's quite a fun rivalry in the football yeah, team. It is really. So, but I've lived in Suffolk now longer than anywhere else, and it really is sort of like my home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you came to Suffolk just get. I'm just going down right. 1984. Yep. And were you uh, working fairly soon mm-hmm. after that? Living in. Um, Long Malford. Right. Um, we, well, we actually rented in, in the little village of Milden near to um, Mount Seeley. Right. Oh, and yes. then we bought a property in Long Malford. Oh, so, that's a lovely spot. And then I, when, I, when we moved to Long Malford, I, there was a flavourings factory there. But, mm-hmm. And the wind was in the right direction because I used to feel so sick when I woke up. And I thought, I'm not trying to live with them. And I discovered I was pregnant. <laughs> and that was why I felt sick. So John arrived. <laughs> so I had two boys. And lovely. Uh, so I, I was a full-time mum, which is a lovely luxury, I think, yeah, until cool. 1990, which is when BBC Radio Suffolk opened. Right. And I didn't apply for a job, but I went and said, you know, I'm around if you want freelance work. And within the first year of them being on air, I started doing their Saturday show. Right. And uh, then I started doing a bit of work. But it was easier to do after about, I think about 1991, the opportunity to do the afternoon show, just two hours came up again. Right. Afternoon yeah, afternoons again. Afternoons again. Yeah. And I took that because it was easier to organise childcare on yeah. an organised basis than yeah. it ever was when people ringing up and saying, can you do this evening? And so, on. so the boys were at school by then. So I slowly got back to work. See, well, I've been in the right place. I've just, been so lucky. Yeah, I've been, well, I mean, people like Mark, my husband, who worked at Radio Suffolk as well, worked at Radio Suffolk. He, it was his ambition, so yeah. he spent all his time working, but I'm just so lucky, I've just fallen into it. I mean, I know I love it, and the yes. minute I stepped into Radio Leeds, I knew I loved it. But I've just been but, so fortunate to be in the yeah, right but, place but at the right you time. You say that, but you've got to be good to be well, taken on continually. Or okay, so you must anyway. be exceptional. Okay, anyway. <laughs> no, I'd say you must be exceptional. When you're given that opportunity of, right, you're going to have an afternoon show, um, is it a blank piece of paper and they say, well, you just do whatever you want to do? Well, it depends on the editor, really. Right. Because each station has, or a manager, as it was called then. Uh, in those days, I took over from Robert, Robert Dingings. And it, in basically, afternoons didn't have lots of resources in most mm. stations. Mm. You, you put your resources into breakfast, mm. where you pick up your listeners. And mm. then mid-morning, uh, I mean, in those days, it was quite formulaic. So breakfast was your news, your travel, mm. telling you what's happening in the day. Mid-morning was more about... Uh, Issues, money issues, yeah. you know, that sort Stories of thing, the discussion, discussion yeah. topics. Afternoon was a bit of light chat okay. and music to fill yeah. the gap, 
to get to drive time, which is seeing people on the way home, bringing yeah. the days news yeah. and so on. Because in those days, you have to remember, no one had phones and mm. no one had news coming in on their phones. We didn't have 24-hour news. Mm. So mm. people would listen to the radio on their way home to find out what had happened through the day because you yes. didn't know. So That's things right. have changed hugely. And so my afternoon show then, um, I mean, that, some of it's to do with the resources that you have. It was mostly music competitions and occasionally going out. So it was mm. two hours and I was freelance. So it, I didn't get into the station. I wasn't doing like eight hour days. Or anything. Mm. I was paid to just do the programme. Yeah, yeah. How was that then? Because uh, I just often think about the imagination you need to, to fill that amount of time day in, day out. Well, I, I, I guess there's a formula. You've got music. Sure. The music and, yeah. and we, I think we did pick our own music in those days as well because that takes time. And a competition, I mean, you want a competition that people join in with and, yeah. then, and then people ring up and you chat to them. So yes. that's, and that's the fun of it, isn't it? The, yeah. the sort of, and two hours, funnily enough, is not a huge No, I don't time. suppose it is. Yeah. But I've always loved interviewing. And when I look back, I don't know if I knew that at the time, but what I love is talking to people mm. and hearing mm. their stories. Mm. And so most of the shows that I've ever been involved in over time do at some point or other incorporate a chance to have chats with people. So is that the key thing, is getting the right guests? For me, it's been, that has been the raison d'etre for me. So right. if you look back, I've done most of the shows, but I've always, if I can, have a longer chat. Guess mm. what? Mm. Um, and I, I guess the last sort of run with my afternoon show was, was a big feature, wasn't it, so mm. Yeah. So talk through how long you were at Radio Suffolk for and how that changed over. So it was initially a two-hour... So I started, So I did a freelance show, so I did Saturday mornings, which wouldn't be two hours, I guess, would it? Really? Right. I think I can't remember how long it was, nine till 12, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be a mixture of, of what's on in the area. Yeah. I think we don't know they had a radio car go out, competition. I did a cross-county quiz, which is so related to the area yeah. again. yeah. Um, then I did the afternoon show for, I'm not sure how many years as a freelancer, it was just a two-hour show, three till five every yeah. afternoon. And I did that driving to and from Long Welford. And at some point, um, I became staff and ended up doing, and then once you're staff, you, you can do whatever show they want. And I had them, the morning show, I can't remember if I did lunch times, I did weekends for a while. And that was lovely because I got a chance to go out and record Country Side sort of oh, issues lovely. for a Sunday morning, yeah. and I did gardening phone-ins and so on. So over the years, it's varied. And then this last show that I did, it was in 2008, so okay. I, that Peter came and said, you know, we're changing the hours, so we do this will be one till four, and could you do the afternoon show? And he gave me pretty much uh, a free brief as to what I did. And I thought, because at that stage I knew there were, because as you know, sometimes they want to reduce the number of shows and mm. so on, I knew mm. that if that there might be a risk that they that afternoon shows could disappear. So I thought, if I make it all about Suffolk, mm. at least it's local. So I called it all about Suffolk. And so Dolphins dealt the competition about Suffolk. It was all about Suffolk people. So that was my, if I wanted to do an interview, it was, it had to be about Suffolk. It didn't mm. have to be news. Mm. It didn't have to be, but it just did have to be about Suffolk. There was local history, there was mm. art. And there's so much to talk about, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, well, yes. <laughs> and when I and you said the changes. So when I started, uh, uh, when I started in Leeds in the 1970s, we had gramophone records, right. slip maps, and you could so you were literally having desk. to tee them up and yeah, listen to where so the music was. So the yeah, the record player would spin, and you would have a bit of felt 
and then so that you would hold the felt so that the turntable would be spinning underneath and the record, the vinyl record, 78 or whatever it is, uh, 33 and a third would be sitting there. And so you, when you set it, you wind it round and then you take it back up there, set the machine going and then you let go and it should go, <laughs> hopefully it should start and sing. <laughs> Just as you fade it up. Just as you fade it up. So you're needing both hands to be doing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And news broadcasts, so each, so and the news reader would come down to the studios and you'd have your one o'clock news with five little bits of information, five reports in it, and they would be on reel-to-reel tape, not on cassette or cart or anything. So I became a master at lacing up a tape machine. Yeah. You could do it really quickly. And then, of course, we went to CDs. So when I went back in uh, to Radio Suffolk, we had CDs. They were they were CDs, not gramophone records by that stage. And in fact, Radio Norfolk had CDs to start with. Uh, and of course, then we went to DAT. We had DAT to record things on, and it yeah. just it's just the way everything's changed. You could put phones on air, but then you these days you've got all sorts of ways of getting stuff on air. That's with people at home, yes. FaceTime, all yeah. those sorts of things. Yeah. So and editing is, is the thing that I think has changed hugely. Because when you started editing, you had reel-to-reel tape, and you had literally had a razor blade yeah. and a chinograph pencil, which marked the tape. So you would be listening to it. You would think, right, I want to cut that out. You would put a, a yellow mark on it. Then you would put it in a splicing block and cut it. Then you'd run through the next bit of tape to where you wanted to cut again, and you would mark it, cut it, and stick it together with splicing tape. And then, of course, you got to computers so that you can actually edit on your desk. You can mix stuff on your desk. So these days, it's you can do much more creative work. Amazing. Yeah, huge, diff- huge change. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you say that. Sorry. I was going to say, I am that old. I think the bit that strikes me is there is no doubt that whilst there's all this technology and music and so on as part of the show, as you said, the part for you that seems to run right the way through is just the fascination with people. Mm. It, is, it is. I love, I just love getting, it's getting people to tell their story. Uh, where does that, where's that come from? Sorry about no, the phone in the background as we sit here in my office. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, do you know why you you have that interest? No, I don't, no, I don't know. It's just, just the way I it am. It's just there. Yeah. 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 And is that, do, do you think that makes a difference for the interviewing style of people on radio? I do listen to radio now and I get so cross because <laughs> it's so important to listen. Yeah. I mean... Uh, and I, I've, people have said, you know, that I've been flattered and told that I do good interviews. And, and really, it's, you've just got to be interested. Mm-hmm. I mean, you obviously love it, because that's why you do this podcast, oh, isn't it? You part love of it listening. is a nosiness, isn't it? That I you're guess just, so. And, and an, an intrigue. And a, just but you're genuinely interested. Yeah, I can honestly say it, yeah. that everyone I talk to, I really am interested. Yeah. And you just want to hear their story yeah. and so it's an, interviewing isn't complicated you listen to what they tell you and then you ask the next obvious that's, questions that's, that's yeah, the theory yeah, isn't it yeah, yeah. I mean you, I, you know what you want to get out of them as well I yes. mean but interviewing is listening it's, it is it's more about listening than anything else yes and then asking the questions yes I think that's yeah the bit that I probably find difficult but you are an expert at is you hear something and you think oh there's so many different questions I could ask based on what you've just said and it's then trying to distill that down into something that actually makes sense. I, I, <laughs> but you were really very good at that. Well, I, well yeah, I don't know that I am, but, but I believe in research as well. Yes. I think because you, you, need to know the, you need to know about the person to ask the right questions. Yes. Because you can fish and fish and still miss 
what would have made maybe the yeah. best ever story. Absolutely. And, I, and I used to hate the fact that someone as they were living in the studio said, oh, but we didn't talk about so-and-so. Yeah. Oh, no. So I always used to send out, we'd send out a questionnaire to all our guests. This yeah. is in the last few years. Just basic questions yeah. and get them to just tell us the things that you're asking me today, you know, because yes. you don't know until someone gives the answer whether it's, it's interesting true. or not, do you? It's true. And you want to pick the interesting bits of the story. Yes. You want to make sure you get all of those That's in. And so true. I think it isn't, it isn't true that you need to start with, a, that you don't need to know about people. I think you need to know as much as you can yes. so that you can ask the right questions yes. to get them to tell the best bits of their yeah. story. This is, this is a, I'm so pleased you're telling me this as I'm sitting here with a blank sheet of paper. <laughs> I, didn't, I nearly said with a blank sheet of paper. Oops. But you know lots about You have researched me because I know well, you've read yeah, up about Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, I guess it's probably my day job. I sit here with a blank sheet of paper and just ask people about them. But as you say, I, I think it, what's interesting is the the process in some ways might be different but the objective is still exactly the same isn't it yeah you want someone to tell a good story it's all about what stories isn't it yeah it's yeah good absolutely stories. yeah, yeah so on the subject of stories i mean you have, do you know how many guests you've had i mean oh, that's one thing i would uh, no idea but you've had hundreds yeah and i'm sure each one of them was an amazing story in itself <laughs> <laughs> we'll gloss over that I can't remember anyone who wasn't so fine. But let's say, though, that um, they were all great. Um, there must be some that really are ones, even now, you must pinch yourself and say... Isn't that terrible? People say, who are your best guests? I, they weren't, all I can say is they weren't necessarily famous people. Yeah, I have yeah, talked yeah, to famous people, and I've talked to... And, and they, they're, they're not always. It's just people's normal stories. And, I'm, and I've been very fortunate to talk to people about all sorts of things and really honoured or privileged to be able to talk to people who were dying of cancer, for example, mm. and to hear their stories and, and just to admire their bravery. Mm. Um, people talking about their businesses. I know you're in business. I mean, some fantastic businesses mm. and stuff that we just never get to hear about no. people's stories, the way they've told those as well. I mean, there's one one that sticks in my mind. I can't remember the name of the person. He, he was visiting Suffolk, and I think it was a Sudbury jeweller, and he was talking about and I, I can't even remember the name of the jewel, the black something or others that you mine in Australia. And he actually went out to mine these and actually ended up staking a claim. I mean, doesn't that sound amazing? And he brought in these jewels yeah. in a box that were worth, like, I think, hundreds of thousands of pounds. And we didn't mention that on the air in case he got robbed on his way out. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but, but it was just and, and how he'd staked his claim. And they actually had for three days before they could get the, the legalities that, where they had to stay there and suffer gunfire. I mean, it was just, I mean, would you expect to hear that in Suffolk? It was yeah. just, and that stuck in my mind. Um, but just people's personal stories and, and behind them is, I, I can't pick any particularly. Yeah, they're, just, they're all so different, but they're yeah. all so different and so interesting by themselves. Yeah, they? exactly, the exactly. And you can't compare one story with another, can you? No, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. That makes sense. So how did you, so obviously many people will know about you and Mark and about, you know, you being the dynamic couple of... We were the gossip of Radio Suffolk for a while. Well, that's a bit I'm probably digging a little bit towards that. Well, it's just... <laughs> how, did so you, how did you and Mark... So we, we, met, did at, you we met at the radio yeah, station, yeah. yeah. And I sadly I got divorced and I came to Suffolk. Um, and then Mark was at work and over time we used to argue like cat and dog, but they say don't they opposites <laughs> attract. And in the end we ended up together. Um, so he t yeah, he was great because he 
took on two te- not teenage boys, boys before they were teenagers. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I think he learned about children a very hard way, bless him. Uh, at the deep end. Yeah. So, but, and we went off and um, so we didn't plan to get married. We lived together uh, with the boys. And uh, then in 2002, I think it was, uh, we decided we'd go on holiday, um, not with the boys, the boys were with their dad. And um, uh, we went to, we decided that, because it was after 9 11, mm. so we flew to America and we went to Vegas. I'd never been to Vegas, but we just thought we'd have a week's holiday. And everyone said, Oh, you're going to get married, aren't you? I said, Yeah, that's true. But unbeknownst to me, he decided we might, apparently. The Virgin catalogue kept opening up on this weddings page, <laughs> and in the end, he decided. So he proposed just before he flew, and fortunately, I said, Yes. <laughs> And we, so we went and we got married in Vegas. I mean, how mm-hmm. rock and roll does oh, that that's, sound? That's great. It's amazing. But what we didn't know was that they played the, the they recorded, it all went out live over the internet. In those days, it really did. And our family's back home desperately trying to get it on the internet. <laughs> at some. But uh, but they had a recording of it and they played it live on here and they put it on Look East. So we came back home to find people had all joined in our pit, which we thought was really private. And, <laughs> oh well, congratulations for that. Yeah, it's what twenty plus years ago now. Yeah, twenty plus definitely. Yeah, yeah very good. Congratulations on that. So, how's it? How's that been in terms of obviously your your one uh, mark has been in various morning activities, primarily on I guess, and you in the afternoon. So, does that work well in terms of being out it's of the house at different times? And... Well, it means I had the bathroom to myself, doesn't it? Really, it's quite. <laughs> No, and I, if I woke up, I'd have to find him on the radio. I just, I've got used to it, really. It's quite nice now that he's not doing that, to have him there in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he can make you a cup of tea. Uh, I, I think I made him one this morning. You won't believe it, he hates getting up. Oh, really? Very, yeah, hates getting up. He doesn't get up until the very last minute is one of the things as well. Yeah, so. yeah, but yeah. it's probably good for him, though, to be out of the house as I was trying to get the boys to school at least, right. wasn't it? Yeah. Now sure. you just get on with it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It was good for our dog care because when he was home at lunch, oh, he was after handy. the dog. That's handy, yeah. And you've, you've spoken a lot about where, where you live and you, you know, that now you're in Felixstowe. And, um, so that was a relatively recent. Move set just a few yeah, years Yeah, just back. over five years, nearly six years. Now. Yeah. So was, we've lived in Ipswich yep. with the boys, and they'd gone to Copleston to school there and so on. And we went for a walk. I think it was New Year's Day, or we went for a walk. It wasn't a particularly nice day, but we went for a walk in Felix. And I said, wouldn't it be lovely to be able to just come out your front door and mm. walk here? Mm. And I thought it was just an idle chat, but Mark went and started looking at houses. And the boys were still living with us. We've got one son who had been made redundant work-wise, and one son with his girlfriend who'd moved in. So we've got a very full semi-detached sure, house. Sure. And I thought, well, we can't do anything until they decide to dis- disappear. But Mark saw a house for sale, so we went and looked at that in Felix though, but it wasn't really near the sea. And we decided then that you need to be in a house where you can just walk out and go to the sea, mm. or you might as well drive. Mm. And within two weeks, I think one came up. Lovely. So we went and looked at it on a really wet, I think it was a Tuesday night, Fell in love with it and said, "Okay, we'll move." We go for it, and we so we did. And yeah. it's it's a, it's a lovely house. It's four doors away from the prom. Um, the boys, uh, in their own way, Tom had got a job, so he went off to Svalbard. Amazingly, John had got a, John and his partner got a house as well. So we moved just the two of us to Felixstowe, and they all moved off to their own part. And awesome. We've loved it ever since. Lovely. So obviously, as I grew up in Felixstowe, I, I just I just have an amazingly. Um, 
closer. I just think the world of it. I just think it's an absolutely wonderful place. Having lived in Long Melford, obviously the other side of the county, but a very lovely location Different, as well. Lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are there places in the county where you think, oh, do you know what I could do with spending more time there, or I'd love I, to see more of it? I or, thought that all the time when I yeah, was working. Yeah. But when people asked me why I was retiring, I said, because I spend my life talking about lovely Suffolk and yeah. never seeing it. Yeah. And so true, Suffolk, we're so lucky. Here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I do believe, having lived in various places, that, that if, if, if you're lucky enough, you can make wherever you are. I, I find yeah. getting to know the people, getting to know the mm. history, roots you in a place, which is what yeah. I try to do in my afternoon show, I think, on BBC Radio. So if you learn about where you're living, mm. you feel part of it, don't mm. you? And I think that's the case wherever you live. So yeah. wherever you live in Suffolk, I think we're very lucky. Um, but I do love that fact that I'm by the sea and that you can but I love, in Long Melford we'd go for walks near across the fields with the mm. boys you know mm. in Ipswich we had our local little heath and reserve and you could, and Ipswich is brilliant because you'd be in and out of Ipswich just like that so everywhere has its pluses but to be able to walk I took the dog for a walk this morning down by the sea the sunrise was beautiful yeah it was a nice red it was so lucky it was really red and I and Felix so was lovely because I can walk along the farm and go and do my shopping in town yeah. I don't have to get in the car yeah. I mean, Every time I do that at the moment, when I walk back, I think, you live here. Yes, yeah, yeah. So lucky. Yeah, no, it's, you know, the, whole, the whole county is amazing, isn't it? And we've recently taken on some clients over in the west of the county, and I found myself driving to all the heathland and stuff. The Brex is beautiful, It's just it? incredible, and yeah. I just think, why have I not spent more time over here? It's just absolutely gorgeous. So, yeah, you're, you're right. It's, um, it's an amazing county. So how, how do you see things from now on? Obviously, you, now that you've moved away from... Uh, Radio stuff like a regular show and the program. What what things are you interested in? What what are the things you're um, looking to achieve in life and complete? Do you know? It really surprised me that people when they say, "Why do you want to retire?" I don't see retirement as sitting down. No. I see retirement as my chance to mm. do the things I want to do, mm. and they're not big things. They are get out and see the county, go to events, maybe go to the theatre. Um, my mum died just before I retired, mm. which is really sad because I was hoping yeah. to spend time with her. Uh, she had dementia, and so my dad is was her carer. Oh. So, but now I can spend time with dad. That's He's nice. 95, yeah. uh, and so mm. we're having a lovely time. So I go and see him, and he takes me out to lunch and to breakfast. There's people on Facebook on there. So I'm spending, it gives me time to spend with my dad, which is brilliant. So yeah. I, I don't feel bad about not being able to do that. But then it's just meeting up with friends. I'm doing a jigsaw at the moment. It might take me three months to do it. Um, reading, listening to books. Because you're very into books. And I like so reading. I always have. Supporting I, I support libraries. Our, I support our local library. Yes. Felix Stowe, I've been a friend of Felix Stowe Library. And it hasn't been announced yet. But at some point I'm hoping to support Suffolk Libraries in general. Fantastic. Because they're a charity which a lot of mm, people don't know. They are, yeah. So they do rely on, on, on us to help fund them. And we ought to do them on this on this uh, podcast, good. shouldn't we? We should. We make a then Bruce Leake yeah. at some point. <laughs> Another one to add to the list. Yeah, yeah no, that's it. So you I mean you have had over the last few years like some amazing experiences, haven't you, with the people you've been able to meet or the places you've been able to go. Anything there that you want to just tell listeners who uh, haven't experienced all these things? Over the whole of life. Kilimanjaro was a, was a life changer for me. And that was when we were raising money for the East Anglia's Children's Hospices. So, so each with their tree has appeal. And I got the chance through businessman Steve Flory. He came mm. up with the idea of climbing to Kilimanjaro. And, and I'd had a glass of wine and said, yes. 
no idea what I was taking on. That was that was amazing when I look back. And it was it was it was Suffolk community. It was the way Suffolk got together to to help build that that hospice. Um, So quick. Yeah, three million pounds in eleven months. Amazing. And then we got back from from Kilimanjaro, and it had been quite tough. And we tried to record and so on while we were there, but we got. The money flooded in. Mm. I've never been so moved. It still sometimes it catches me now yes. when I think about it. Yeah. People just dropping off eleven hundred pounds in an envelope, nine hundred pounds, and then someone else bringing in their pennies that they'd been saving. Mm. And it's, it was just it, it changed my life. I think really. really. A, it made me fit going and doing it, yeah. doing some yeah. exercise. Yeah. Uh, but but also that. And then a few years later, we decided to raise put our, ourselves behind a campaign to raise money for family carers for mm. us. Well, that's what's lovely, isn't it? It's, it's all making a change in your own community. Absolutely. And I wanted to do something again, walking, but I wasn't going to go and climb Kilimanjaro, and it costs a lot of money to do that, so oh. I wanted to do something locally. And David Falk, who is the man behind a lot of our footpaths, the right to wear and stuff, but he and I were talking about it, and he, he, he went and had a pint of cider alcohol, that's a huge pint of cider, and he ran it and said, why don't we do, or why don't you do, the Suffolk coastal path, walk the coast of Suffolk in 24 hours? And I said, can it be done? Because I had no idea whether you could even feasibly do it. And yeah. he said, yeah, I've been looking. I think you can. So I said, well, I will if you will. <laughs> and then two other people joined us. And yeah. that was, I think, my best ever experience. That is. We that, did I mean, it that is quite an achievement to do that. But Suffolk Coast is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely beautiful. Lots of so you've got Southwold and Alborough, uh, Sizewell, but you come. Everyone walks to the coast, but don't go for a walk along it. So you've yeah. got really remote bits, Cove Highs. Yeah. Uh, I, it, we, it's just a lovely bit. I mean, if you just do it bit by bit, which people have done since, you, it's worth doing it just yes. to have a look. Yeah. And we did it in 24 hours. And the, and the bits at night. So Radio Suffolk. Uh, followed us Kate in the radio car would meet us at various places and we got uh, and the secret of doing any long walk is to break it up into four or five Wonderful mile chunks, chunks. <laughs> so you get I mean you stop yeah. at a hostelry or wherever yeah, and change yeah. your socks or whatever yeah. so but through the night we went from uh, from Oldborough we went along the, the captain's path is it called sailor's path sailor's path through uh, and so we had most of that to ourselves through the night really? and the piggies are snoring in their little yeah. pigs so we sat down past Hoseley and we, yeah, we went inland to, to, to Chillisford. Right. The Freud's opened up and gave us sticky oh, top of pudding at half two in the morning. Lovely. And then across and along the coast to Shingle Street, where okay. my friends Ben and Marlene turned up with champagne and croissants. <laughs> so I didn't get, lose any weight. And we ended up in Felix, though. I think I think we were late. Get, we didn't quite do the 24 hours because people kept stopping us and through walking through Felix. So, and that's where I first thought, Wow, Felix now is yeah, lovely. Because yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw these sandy beaches. I'd never remembered sandy beaches in Felix. <laughs> so did you get the you got the ferry across from Bullsey? You didn't have to go. So, yeah, the they knew we were they, they, we, yeah, we rang them as soon as when we needed oh, it. Yeah. They they were on, on board yeah. to come and collect us. Yeah. And we had breakfast at the cafe the other side just before we headed off. So it was breakfast, then caught the ferry, then walked right along the coast and right to Langarton. So we've got the fact that you're in, into walking, libraries, reading. Yeah. What are the other things then that, that really sort of... There's not much time for anything. Well, I was going to say. Really. I just, I just, you just walk with a good book. Reading, walking, <laughs> dog walking, friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah fantastic. Yeah. Lovely. And podcasts. And podcasts. <laughs> Very good. Well, uh, that is just amazing, just to find out a bit about your backstory.
Amazing. Um, because I have a blank sheet of paper, is there anything else that I should be knowing about? I don't think there's anything else you've missed out. I don't think so. Not that I'm revealing to you anyway. <laughs> That's fine. You've got to draw a line somewhere. Okay. You've got to draw a line. No, it's been lovely to, to talk with you. I think, as we've been saying ourselves, you'll be speaking to people and we'll be getting some new guests in. And obviously, you've got a great address book too, so you can access some of those and Hopefully. we'll bring them to to. No, I'm really looking forward to it. It's really nice. And from my point of view, it's nice to be able to still sort of keep the hand in, so oh, to speak, yeah. but, but just to meet more really interesting Suffolk people who, as you know, have such inspiring stories. That's what it's all about, isn't it? As you say, there's, everyone has a story, and we've got amazing businesses, great charities, community groups, all sorts of things going on in here. And so if anyone listening thinks they know someone who should be telling their story, Absolutely. we'd love to hear. And that's the funny thing, you know, Suffolk is full of people who don't say anything about how good their business or their charity or their work is. But they will know someone who does know that and can tell us about them. So please don't, if you're listening to this, don't think that somebody else would have made that connection. Just get in touch yeah. with us. We do get contact from different people all over the world trying to get on our podcast, believe me. But I'm not interested. We want Suffolk people. Well, they could be Suffolk people abroad, though. Well, they could be, but these aren't. These are <laughs> <laughs> this is some PR guy in New York trying to get in. Is it? Yeah, we don't want that. Well, unless you let the pays for us to visit. Well, I suppose so, yeah. We, we can like, go and check out their offices, can't we? <laughs> <laughs> but no, we're, we're looking for good Suffolk stories. We have had two years of amazing stories from Suffolk, and we started in the middle of the... Um, pandemic and so everything was on zoom but now we can do some face-to-face things so that's great so i thought when i started in 2008 that we can only go a couple of years but I didn't. so there's no end to it there's so many people we can talk to so leslie thank you so much for telling us all about you and we look forward to hearing your voice and your your excellent questions way better than mine <laughs> over, <laughs> over, over the, the coming months and years so thank you so much thank you lovely to talk to you Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Suffolk Money Podcast, supported by Kingsfleet. In particular, I want to thank Leslie for giving us her time so that we could just find out something more about her. Uh, so do keep tuning in to future episodes so that you can find out more uh, about the people that we are speaking to and you will hear Leslie's voice as she asks questions. As Ever, I'm indebted to those in the background who keep this show on the road. To Kevin Birch uh, for editing, for Sally Birch for ensuring that we have the right people to speak with, and to Joy Day uh, for ensuring that everything goes online at the right time. If you have someone who you feel we can speak with, or an interesting story uh, that you would like to get across to us from within Suffolk, then please do get in touch through Twitter, uh, at Suffolk Money, through our Facebook page. Again, just look up Suffolk Money or through our website and uh, you will find us there. As ever, our purpose is to tell you interesting stories about the people of Suffolk and the stories related to money. So how people spend money, how they save it, how they give it away. And uh, we hope that you can join us on a future edition the Suffolk Money Podcast. Thank you once again for joining us.